Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, and boy, do we have to prepare ourselves. Folks, grab your wallets, grab your kids, grab your wives, put them all in hiding because the legislature is back in session. Which means that they are going to talk a great game because they are all up for re-election. But you know that somehow, some way, a lot of them are still going to come after your money. And whatever else they can get their hands on. That's just the way things work. But today, being the first day of the session, we of course get our State of the State address from Governor John Bell Edwards. And as he goes into his final legislative session as governor, he is pulling out all the stops to let everybody know how wonderful and awesome he has been and how great Louisiana is because of him. And did you know that John Bell Edwards saved LSU Tiger football? I bet you didn't notice that. I bet you didn't know that at all. See, when he first came into power, he threatened because of the budget crisis that maybe we wouldn't have a college football season. And that freaked everybody out. Oh, no, he's going to cancel LSU football. And I, no, he can't. Because at universities like LSU, athletics are pretty much donor run. Donor funded, I mean. Well, in some places may argue that they're donor run. But donor funded, lots of donations go into these athletic programs at these big universities. At no point was LSU football ever at risk of being canceled, but he wanted to scare people into doing what he wanted to do in terms of increasing spending, increasing the budget. He talks about a balanced budget. He talks about this, that, and the other, but we've never cut anything. But despite that, despite that, here's the actual quote. Oh, and by the way, John Bill Edwards says, Not only was football not canceled, the Tigers went on to win themselves a national championship and a Heisman Trophy. Hallelujah! John Bell Edwards did it. He saved Tiger football. Never mind the fact that uh, Ed Orgeron was blessed with a very good recruiting team as he was coming in, and then immediately after they left, the the, the, the whole program collapsed and did almost die, actually, because it was just so terribly run under Orgeron. But now it's recovering, thanks to Brian Kelly. Praise be. Luck of the Irish and all that. But but it's not just that, because he also mentioned, by the way, for good measure, the LSU I mean, Lady Tigers basketball team just won the first basketball national championship in LSU history, all because John Bell Edwards was in office. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm, I'm, Moon was there. I'm sure he stood up and gave uh, John Bell a standing ovation. John Bell saved not only LSU football, but LSU women's basketball. Praise be. Thank God we have John Bell Edwards. Now, here's the thing. Here's what you've got to understand. See, the fact of the matter is, LSU's academic rating is like the lowest in the SEC. So sure, sports-wise, they're doing pretty good, but uh, their academic rating sucks. They're not actually doing all that great. Higher education in Louisiana is actually struggling a bit. Yeah, they funded things, but the LSU's not doing I mean, LSU went with a full social justice leadership squad, kind of neglected the academics. 
But sure, sure, John Bell Edwards saved LSU Tiger football because he scared representatives into expanding the budget. What kind of an idiot does he take you and me for? Honestly, what kind of an idiot does he take you and me for to actually say that line in all seriousness? He wasn't joking. He may have acted like he was joking when he said it, but he wasn't joking. He fully intended to come out and say, hey, because of me, we didn't have to cancel LSU football. What a maniac. It was never at risk of being canceled. There was no way in hell LSU was going to cancel a football season because of funding issues. And there was no way John Bell Edwards would actually have followed through with the threat of shutting down LSU football season if he didn't get his way. To say, to make that original threat, and then to now come out and say, hey, we saved it, is just the epitome of whatever the hell the opposite of the honor code that he ran on is. I know I know, talking about the honor code is Moon's thing. I just wanted to bring it up. But yeah. He, he actually did, in his State of the State speech, took credit for LSU football not being canceled because they balanced the budget. They didn't balance the budget. They increased spending. They rely, He says we didn't rely on budgeting gimmicks. He relied on a ton of federal money coming in because as long as there are natural disasters, there's a way for Louisiana to make money from the federal government. God forbid we have a string of years where we don't have natural disasters because then you know what happens. Then we stop suckling from the... Federal teat, a phrase I don't get to say often enough for, you know, entirely appropriate reasons. But that's what we do. We get a ton of federal money. We use that to patch things along. And we get to fill up our rainy day fund because of a bunch of really bad rainy days. And then there's this. Then there's this part, which was just as silly. John Bill Edwards talked about this new diversity in jobs, how we've brought all these jobs in different sectors, the way we've helped these local governments bring in jobs, the way the states brought in these jobs. We have a diversified job economy in the state of Louisiana. (laughs) Except for, you know, the fact where all the workers are leaving and not filling those jobs. Other than that, great job diversity in the state of Louisiana. We are absolutely killing it. All because of the fearless leadership of John Bell Edwards, who came into the state, threatened to shut down LSU football, sent his friends in the trial lawyer industry after the oil and gas companies to try to sue them out of the state. Yeah, he's been wonderful. Except for all that, he's been great. That's the kind of leadership that Louisiana's had going on its eighth year now, its eighth legislative session. And of course he comes in and he wants to give teachers $3,000 more. He wants to give support staff at schools $1,500 more. He wants law enforcement to be paid more. He wants legislators to be paid more. All of that. All of that because John Bill Edwards wants to give out a ton of money on his way out the door and let the next governor deal with a financial crisis that comes from increasing the payroll at the state level. Let that be the next person's problem. Never mind the fact that you had groups like APEL pushing for three and $4,000 salary increases for teachers in years past, and John Bell was against it. 
And the unions were against it. APEL was out there being honest, like, look, if you want to raise it, look at the fact that Mississippi is raising theirs by four or $5,000. Why can't we do that for our teachers? And John Bill Edwards opposed it every year except this year. Why? Because he's on his way out the door. And the financial burden that would be placed on school districts in the state after that, not his concern once he leaves office. But hey, the unions get their money. All those pay raises, you know what that means? Unions get more money in dues. You know what that means? The insurance companies, they charge you a lot more. Insurance costs for teachers, I don't know if you know this, insurance costs for teachers go up pretty much directly affected by those salary increases. So every time the teacher's salary goes up thanks to a state mandate or a district mandate, so do the insurance costs. So teachers aren't really going to feel that all that much. And in years past, what do we do? We got $1,000. John Bell Edwards gave, us, gave teachers $1,000, you know, before all the deductibles and everything, that's less than $100 a month. After the, after the deductions and everything, it's not even a full, it's not even one thing of groceries for a week for a family of four. Nickel and dimed it just to keep the unions happy. But now he's on his way out the door. So, yeah, he can give teachers $3,000. He can give support staff $1,500. And that's nothing against teachers. Hell, that proposal directly affects my family in a positive way. I'm for it. Would love more money. But let's not pretend this is some altruistic that teachers deserve this thing from Edwards. No, this is to keep the unions happy and on the side of the Democrats and basically making sure that the Republicans who oppose it go in and get challenged politically because they would oppose it. And there are a lot of Republicans who are kind of in a tough spot because they want to oppose this because it is patently ridiculous to have a raise like this all of a sudden when he's on his way out the door and you're not sure how you're going to pay for it because there are no cuts anywhere else to justify a rate height, like a, a salary increase like that. But at the same time, if they oppose it, they now have all the teachers in their district against them. Rocking a hard place type situation for Republican lawmakers. I don't envy them. I think teachers deserve it. I think support staff deserves it. I think law enforcement deserves it. Firefighters deserve it. Every, everybody, every public servant deserves a pay raise. Absolutely, 100%. But I'll say the same thing I've been saying. How in the hell are you going to pay for it when you haven't actually balanced the budget? You've just been relying on federal money coming in for natural disasters. Here's the thought. What if climate change is real and climate change actually affects hurricanes? And it doesn't make them more frequent. It makes them less frequent. What if the changing of the climate actually makes hurricanes happen less and all of a sudden Louisiana is getting hit by them as much? Then what happens? Financially speaking, Louisiana crumbles. Because we are no longer enjoying the federal government's largesse. But John Bell Edwards will claim credit for saving LSU football and for the LSU Lady Tigers winning a national championship. He'll say the budget is balanced without any gimmicking trips, gimmicking, uh, gimmicky tricks. He will say that we are finally going to bring teacher pay raise within alignment of the rest of the Southern average. Yip, yippee Kaye, and I can't finish Bruce Willis's statement, but you know what I'm going to say. 
and he's going to walk out of office and he'll leave behind a, a cow patty for the next governor to deal with. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. I ran a little bit long there, but I've got time for your calls when we get back from the break. 232-1542 or send a message to the KPL app chat. Love talking to you guys there. We're going to take this break. We'll be back in just a moment right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. If you want to send a message on the KPL app, you can. By the way, Billy in Church Point did. John Bell is learning how to lie big, big like Joe, which is why I hate having a president with the same first name as me because I thought Billy was saying I was a liar. And I didn't remember what lie I told in the first segment, so I was really concerned. But he was talking about Joe Biden because he goes on to talk about the Green New Deal, which is absolutely correct. You know, John Bell wants to be, I mean, he's he's pitched himself as a pro-life Democrat, so he may not have a future on the national stage, but he can definitely, definitely score some points with the environmentalist crowd. And that, I think, is partially what he's going for, a sweet lobbying gig for green energy. All right, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation Let's go to the phone lines. We've got Jim. Jim, how are you today? Hey, good. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I've got a unique idea. Yeah. Why don't we pay teachers like everybody else uh, in a performance-based uh, outcome? If they're ranked 25th in the nation in, in teaching, pay them the 25th level uh, in salaries. If they're ranked 49th like we are most of the time, paying forty nine in salaries. So the more you produce, the better you get paid. Kind of like a pro athlete. The more well, you produce, the better you get paid. That would be a stellar idea, but the inverse of that would be if you start performing worse, then you get paid less, which uh, by state law, you cannot reduce a, state, a teacher's salary. Well, uh, then we got a problem. <laughs> if we do, yeah, because... We're going to have a problem anyway because when you pay, put a pay rate and you don't pay for it, Somebody's going to be stuck with the bill. You and me. And, and I, I agree with you. Firemen, policemen, they're all underpaid. Oh, yeah. I'd be darned if I'd be a policeman. Put my life on the line for what they get, what they make. You know, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree wholeheartedly, Jim. And, um, you know, and, and again, a, a teacher pay raise affects me positively because my wife is a teacher. Hell, if I was still in the classroom, it, I, I would be cheering it on. Yes, absolutely. Give me $3,000 extra a year. But where's the money coming from? Because you're absolutely right. Somebody's getting stuck with the bill, and it's you and me. Somebody's got to pay for it. Yeah. And, and I, I come from a long line of educators. I've got teachers in Louisiana and Texas, and I substitute taught for a year and a half in Texas. And uh, they are underpaid, but, again, you got to pay for it. Mm-hmm. We all, we all want more money, but, it, you know, it's like going to the grocery store. We want, we want filet mignon, but our budget won't allow it. So, again, we buy something else. You know, I'm not even that much of a filet guy. I, I, I would much prefer uh, I would much prefer ribeye. Ribeye is my favorite oh, steak. So, so would I, I'm just using that as, as an example. I, I know. I got like you. If, if, but, hey, if, if somebody wanted to pay me in ribeye, I don't think I would be uh, too terribly distraught by that. I would, but... No, I wouldn't either. It's all in how you cook it. <laughs> exactly. All right, Jim, thank you very much for the call. Uh, We've got to take this break. We're up against the hard bottom of the hour break. Thank you. Uh, Those of you on the line, stick around. I'll get to you in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. 
Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. You know, I I had some other things I want to talk about, some national uh, news things I wanted to talk about. But, man, the uh, when I read the transcript, I, I didn't listen to the State of the State speech. I know Moon was there. I believe that Scott McKay at the Hayride was there. Uh I didn't listen to the speech, but I read the transcript. I went and I saw uh, little bits of it. Man, this is this is uh, just the amount of dishonesty that goes into everything in that speech is truly extraordinary. From a guy that ran a campaign when he first wanted to get elected governor based on U.S. military honor code. And here we are where he is spinning everything that he can into a win for him and how he has been able to do all these great things despite the fact that it's built on the singular lie of we did it without any gimmicks. The entire process is a joke. You can say we did it without any gimmicks, we did it without using any one-time money for recurring expenses, but the fact of the matter is we've got all of this money that is kind of recurring because we keep getting money from the government over natural disasters and other things. We're using that to plug holes and inflate our budget. That is a budgeting gimmick. And it is just dishonest to claim otherwise. All right, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, let's go back to the phone lines because we've got Tommy on the line. Tommy, how are you today? Thank you for having me on the phone. Talking about the governor, well, I don't consider him a governor. He is nothing but a box of rocks. Mm-hmm. And he, he, uh, he, he surrounds himself with those kind of people. And I will say this, he amounts to about as much as a gnat on a, on a dog's tallywhacker. That's all he amounts to. Oh my God! All right, I've already skirted the FCC once. I think that I think number two. That's it for us today. We can't we can't even get risk getting close to the FCC's guidelines any closer right, to that, Tommy. Yeah. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy, for the call and the comment. Two three two fifteen forty two. If you want to be part of the conversation, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, this is uh, this is what's aggravating about just politics in general. I mean, both sides, you know, we know both sides do it. It's part of the politics process, but it, it's so blatant in this case. I mean, we know, we know what's going on here. You know that we cannot keep increasing spending if people are leaving the state and the tax revenue isn't what it was. You know that. So where, I mean, you can say we've got this surplus, so where's the money come from? Well, We've had a string of natural disasters. A ton of federal funding has come in. Congress has passed laws giving more money in terms of infrastructure projects and all this to the state. We have all this money, so we don't have to spend the money that's already dedicated to infrastructure or whatever because we get more from the federal government. We can spend this money in other ways. We can do these all sorts of budgeting tricks. You can say it's not a gimmick, but it's a series of budgeting tricks that makes everything hip, hip, hooray. We we got we're we're not in a deficit anymore except we're funding what we've got through a bunch of money that's come in that's technically one time money except natural disasters seem to happen every year so we keep getting that money so you can so yeah once again absolutely thrilled with the idea of teachers getting three thousand more dollars a year fantastic love it 
love teachers getting paid. I think that incentivizes more good people coming into the workforce for teachers. I am so ecstatic about it because I know this is a point of contention. Not all of you agree with me on this, but if teachers did get paid more, you would have more quality teachers coming into the classrooms. It's not worth it at the level of paid teachers to get get now for them to come in and deal with the nonsense that they have to deal with. And there's a lot of bureaucratic reforms that really need to happen in education for it to be really worth at the current levels. But all of that aside, yes, let's give more money. Let's encourage more people to enter the classroom because right now we've got a shortage of teachers. We've got a shortage of substitutes. We've got a shortage of every warm body that is needed to make a school run. So, yeah, increase the pay. Make it more appealing to people to come in and work in our schools. But at the same time, make sure you know how to pay for it. Because we can be riding high on surpluses for five years, and then all of a sudden the economy tanks again, which it's expected to. One of the things I was going to get to today, you've got prominent economists and financial figures saying, hey, looks like a serious recession on the way. Hey, there's a a consumer survey says most consumers actually expect inflation to go back up another half a point. We've got all this coming down the pike, and I'm fully expecting there to be another uh I'm fully, I'm fully expecting there to be another economic crisis, and that hurts the state. That makes the state have to slip into a deficit. You don't have a surplus when a bunch of people are having to leave. When a bunch of when, when the economy just tanks, you don't have a surplus much longer. So you've got to deal with that in some way. And it doesn't matter how much money we're getting from the federal government for natural disasters— If the economy takes a downturn, all of a sudden you've just mandated a ton of teacher pay raises with a budget that isn't balanced, with a budget that's overinflated, putting enormous pressure on the state budget and local district budgets to make sure those teachers get paid because you've now just put another $3,000 per teacher mandate on every school district with this pay raise. But we're just living in the moment. Let the good times roll, folks, up until they don't. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, we can keep talking about that. You can send a message through the KPL app, but I want to uh, switch real quick to something national because there is something that happened over the weekend that I do want to get into a little bit. So we've got this federal ruling from a judge in Texas, and the Democrats are all flustered. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez going out and saying, we need to ignore this ruling Keep in mind, if any Republican says to come out and ignore a ruling, it is another insurrection. It is another attack on democracy. But no, AOC says it because it's uh, it's an abortion pill. That's it. It, It's it's good. We need to ignore this ruling. No, see, here's here's the issue. It's not what the Democrats are saying. It's not what this judge in Texas did. This is going to be probably another Supreme Court like case coming forward. We'll see where it goes. But here's the issue that you really need to pay attention to. Republicans have been losing at the ballot box ever since the Dobbs decision. Now, a lot of Republicans, a lot of conservatives, well, I'm sorry, a lot of conservatives will tell you it's worth it. It is worth it to undo the juris, uh, the, the jurisprudence malfeasance that was the Roe versus Wade decision 
if and lose some elections in the aftermath because we've just gotten rid of a national mandate for abortion. And now the Supreme Court has moved it back to being a state issue. And what's happening at the state level? Republicans are losing ballot initiatives. And so here is where the ideologue in me and the political strategist in me kind of differ. Full disclosure, you cannot write, you cannot be a contributor or an editor at redstate.com if you are not pro-life. I am pro-life. I am 100% pro-life. I do believe in exceptions for rape, incest, life of the mother. And you will find that most conservatives feel the same way. You personally may not. Uh, State Representative Julie Emerson, adore her. She's my representative. Julie is wonderful. And she was one of the people who helped push for this uh, revision of the state law to make sure there is not an exception in that case. And that's fine. It is state law. But there are a number of conservatives who are very good pro-life fighters who also feel that there should be exceptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother. You will find that there are a lot of people who are center-right who are not as vocal about opposing abortion in the first trimester. People who are not necessarily conservative but vote Republican more than Democrat because of where their personal allegiances lie you will find that what polls well, even among Republicans, is banning abortion after the first trimester. After the first trimester, most Americans typically really just believe that you should have made your decision by now. And so they say, yeah, absolutely, ban abortion after the first trimester. Ban abortion after the 15 weeks, after 20 weeks, whatever you want to call it. But after that point... But I mean, but but before that point, they're kind of iffy on it because circumstances vary from pregnancy to pregnancy. You never and, and you don't want to cause the issues that are being written in these panicky headlines about people being arrested because they they need because it's a it's threatening their life. But they're not allowed that exception. They're crossing state lines. This, that, and the other. That part's complicated. You see a lot of pro-choice voters up until the end of the first trimester, then a lot of those pro-choice voters become pro-life voters. Which is why the Democrats pushing the extremes of abortion up until the child fully exits the birth canal, that's when you see Democrats start to lose a lot of support among voters. But among those voters, abortion isn't that big of an issue. The ban all abortion crowd and the legalize all abortion crowd, those are the ones motivated most by abortion. But abortion, depending on when you are advocating for it, can push an independent one way or the other. So now Republicans have to make this decision. Now Republicans have to figure out, was Dobbs worth it? 100% unequivocally, I would tell you Dobbs was worth it. Getting rid of of Roe versus Wade was absolutely worth the results of the ballot box that Republicans are currently seeing. But Republicans going to the ballot box on the issue of an abortion can be more nuanced about it. And that's where the contention is right now. How nuanced can you be on the issue of abortion? I could stand up at a podium and I could say, absolutely. 
you have this test and this test and this test. If you are truly concerned that your child will have some birth defect, will have some sort of, uh, will, will be diagnosed with something, there are all these tests before you get to this certain point that you can take. Afterward, it's straight up murder because you know who that child is, you know what that child is going to be, and you are still choosing to take that life. Absolutely, you can have that nuanced point. Absolutely, you can say, yes, I'm 100% pro-life, but I understand the circumstances and I understand the emotional trauma in rape, incest, life of the mother. I understand that. I think that should be a decision made within the family. You can have these nuanced discussions. But Republicans, not conservatives, Republicans keep saying, well, you know, we're not winning at the ballot box. We should just shut up about abortion. No. If you're willing to compromise on the premise of life, what are you not willing to compromise on? You can be nuanced, but not give up your beliefs. And that's what Republicans are struggling with right now. That's what Republicans really need to work on in the coming months and years, because you know the Democrats are going to make abortion the number one issue. And in fact, making abortion the number one issue will turn a lot of voters off. But can the Republicans pick those voters up? It depends on how nuanced they can be. 232-1542, we're going to have a few minutes when we come back. Your calls, your uh, thoughts on the KPL app chat, all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. All right. Like I said, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. Still got about a minute or so left before we go. Uh, One other story I wanted to get to. I will probably spend more time on it tomorrow because I don't have a lot of time. I've got about a minute before the bumper kicks in here. One of the most significant leaks of highly classified U.S. documents in recent history began among a small group of posters on a messaging channel that trafficked in memes, jokes, and racist talk. Sometime in January, seemingly unnoticed by the outside world, an anonymous member of a group of of a group numbering just over a dozen began to post files, many labeled as top secret, providing details about the war in Ukraine, intercepted communications about U.S. allies such as Israel and South Korea, details of American penetration into Russia's military plan, among other topics. Somewhere in the White House or the Pentagon, somebody got a hold of a treasure trove of secure documents and leaked them in a discord channel. Now discord is a chat app where you can create a discord server and you and your friends in the world of gaming can go and trash talk each other and all sorts of great stuff while gaming. But it's also a place where like-minded individuals have routinely gathered in order to share their ideologies. And now in the midst of all this, we also have somebody who is leaking highly sensitive military information into these Discord channels. Now, they don't think the threat spread very far, but it is still pretty bad that this information was allowed to get out in the first place. All right, that's it for me. 23 hours until I'm back. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, email joe at redstate.com, and as always, you can catch the podcast version of this show as well as the stuff I write daily over at joecunninghamshow.substack.com. That's it. I'm going to be out. Shannon is going to be in. Shannon is offsides here next on News Talk 96.5 KPL.